Welcome, folks, to the big dudes in the trenches. Yes, we say dudes now because that's how I said it at the top. So we're going to say that all episode. If I can remember dudes. dudes. Uh, Tug dudes. is not here. That might change at some point. I have no idea. So that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> and I got a late dinner, so I'm going to try not to eat right next to my microphone. Yeah, I would prefer that you didn't as well. I'm sure the audience would uh, really enjoy hearing those sounds, though. Or they, nice they don't want to hear all the noises. All the, all the crunching and chewing. Actually, can you chew right into the microphone, please? Like, the, like this? A little ASMR for all of our audio listeners. Wow. What a great podcast. So, <laughs> we're going to be talking about and some NFL draft prospects this episode. This is the final episode of our draft prospect preview series. We've been going conference by conference through the Power Five. Except for, of course, last time we did this was Big 12 and Pac-12 combined. Because even combined, they had less than the SEC in terms of total draft prospects. Uh, same kind of situation here. We're doing the entire group of five. All of the FCS, a couple of Division II prospects today as well, and it's going to be about the same length as the SEC show that we did several weeks ago now. So if you want to see some other guys like that, go ahead and check out those episodes. Those are all up you know, anywhere you find podcasts or on YouTube as well if you want to find us on there. Uh, but for this episode, we're covering, like I said, all of the Group of Five conferences, so that's the American Conference USA, Sun Belt, the MAC, the Mountain West. That's all of the FCS. I'm not going to list all those. There are like 14 conferences down there. Uh, and then a couple of Division II guys. A couple of Division II guys actually got invited to the NFL Combine as well. So we have more than our fair share of Division II players to be talking about this episode. I'm kind of excited on this one because it's some small school guys that we've been paying attention to all year, and not everyone's been talking about all year. So it's a great time to be highlighting a lot of these smaller school guys. And look, I'm going to be live at day three of the NFL draft, so it's going to be cool to actually recognize some of these names for other reasons than, hey, they're going to the Bears. Cool. <laughs> or, also, hey, that guy went to Memphis. I know that one name. <laughs> I know, I know the one guy that Memphis has going this year. Yeah, and he didn't even get a combine invite, so we'll see. What oh, I, I, got, I got things to say on that. Whenever I'm we get sure, there. I'm sure. <laughs> but just like we've been doing for these prospect previews, we'll be starting on the offensive side of the ball, work our way to defense. There are two special teamers this week. No punters or kickers. These are actual legitimate human beings on special teams. Very exciting. Walk snappers. <laughs> Closest thing to human beings a special teamer can get. Uh. <laughs> here's, here's what I got to ask. Do we have any Canadian players, specifically from Simon Fraser, who just announced that they will be discontinuing their football program? We do not. Uh, I do have somebody who is from Canada originally. But I don't have any actual Canadian college players on these slides. I think this is I don't want to derail us completely here, but this is the most ridiculous thing I saw. I read the, when I read the article about Simon Fraser dismissing their football program or discontinuing rather. 
they had a championship game that they played, like a bowl game they played with another Canadian university, and it would alternate rules between being Canadian rules or American rules. And I'm like, that's just confusing as all hell. Yeah. Yeah. Canada does some dumb shit sometimes. Uh, but that's <laughs> that's why we live that's, not in Canada. That's <laughs> why their money's all the funny colors. They don't even have money. They just trade. They exchange maple syrup. Maple dollars. <laughs> Let's get going before we get canceled too much harder. Uh, <laughs> Canada's not going to cancel us. You kidding me? <laughs> Either way, uh, let's go ahead and jump to the first offense here. I think this is the only slide that I have this entire episode that's a singular team. Uh, and not an abomination onto the ward. Yes, which, not going to lie, I enjoy some of those abominations of the Lord. Or they are actually kind of fun to look at. <laughs> but this one is nice, clean, and simple. Cincinnati Bearcats have four players on the offensive side of the ball headed to the NFL draft this year. Two of them are wide receivers, and two of them are tight ends, which is very unusual. Last time we've seen two tight ends come out of the same school in the same draft class, uh, worked out very well. Both of them went in the first round out of Iowa. That's definitely not going to be the case this year. Uh, these are two very different styles of tight end as well. Uh, Leonard Taylor is very much so a raw tight end prospect. He played quarterback in high school. Only reason he ended up at Cincinnati is because they were going to allow him to stay on the offensive side of the ball. Everybody wanted to move him to a linebacker position. Uh He's big enough to be a tight end. He's shown some things. He's developed a certain ability to find the ball, not always catch it, but, you know, he's working on that too. And an interesting UDFA prospect there for sure. Josh Wiley's the better of the tight ends coming out of Cincinnati, though, like by far. I think if, if one of these guys gets drafted, it will be Josh Wiley. I will be surprised if neither of them get drafted. I'll get. To, I'll be pretty surprised if both of them get drafted though, too. In your estimation, which one's more of the uh, Travis Kelsey comparison? Because you know that's all they're going to talk about on dra- when these guys are, you know, remotely being talked about on day three, probably. Um. Neither. <laughs> I I would agree. I guess Josh Wiley, if I were forced, gun to my head to make. One compared to Kelsey doesn't really fit though, right? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I did call Tyler Scott a wide receiver. I think that might be a little bit misleading. He's probably going to be more of a slot guy. Uh, really, Trey Tucker might end up in that role as well, just because of their size. But Tyler Scott has the speed for the slot as well, and you can see it if you watch him play. He is very reasonably a day two wide receiver, Tyler Scott, to Trey Tucker on day three. As you know, he he has the the ball skills of an outside guy, but also he's like five foot nine, Trey Tucker. So not exactly sure what to do with him. Yeah, I have nothing to really add about them. This offense, I don't know. I feel like Cincinnati was just. In a weird spot this year, they were just a 
good team. They weren't wowing anybody like they had been, like they did last year, the year prior either. Um, I, I don't want to say it was a rebuilding year, but it was it was definitely an interesting year. And then with your coach leaving in the middle of the year too, that that really threw things for a loop for him. So I hope that doesn't hurt these guys' stock too much because they, they have had great college careers. It's actually crazy to me. Trey Tucker ran faster than Tyler Scott at the combine. And I wouldn't have guessed that. But, you know, boost to the stock, I guess. See what happens for him. Next up, we do, have a, we do have a little bit of an abomination here. East Carolina and Houston have come together to form this great-looking offense. Uh, really, though? This is a – like, if, if you told me I was going to have these three guys on my team to kind of start building an offense around, I would be pretty excited. I would be, too. At least, you know, Clayton Toon is a fascinating quarterback prospect. I really do think he can – he's one of those guys that's like you could definitely see a Clayton Toon working out in the league. Absolutely. He, he's one of those guys. A, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he's one of those guys, too, that, like, nothing really seems to get him down. I mean, Houston's season was dead and gone. Yeah. And they turned around, unfortunately, against Memphis, but a lot of it was the quarterback play of Clayton Toon, and that offense just said, no, we're not quitting. And that was a lot of that falls on the shoulders of Clayton Toon. And then looking at C.J. Johnson and Keaton Mitchell, Johnson is a tough man to defend, and Mitchell – He's tough to catch. He hits a hole and he's gone. Yeah, the problem for Mitchell will be his five foot eight, hundred and seventy nine pound frame right now. Yep. If he if he beefs up to close to two hundred, you can work with that, and that could be a scary running back. But if you bulk up to two hundred, you're probably losing some of that speed, which made you so special to begin with. The fine balancing act there. I do think there's a place in a league for a Keaton Mitchell. I think C.J. Johnson will have the most immediate success out of any of these guys. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm still not sure where he gets drafted either. He might be a top-of-day-three kind of a guy just because of the sheer depth of wide receivers in this class. Like, there could be years where C.J. Johnson's a day-two guy for sure. I don't know that that's going to happen this year, but it's it's a it's a really wide gamut of wide receivers in this class. And C.J. Johnson is, at 6'2", weirdly enough, he's like one of the biggest guys in this class. <laughs> and I think we probably got one, maybe two, at least one, maybe two more years of this where some of these guys are going to get overlooked just because of how COVID affected the college football landscape. That's true. That is true. All this time I've been trying to think of a comparison for Clayton Tune. I think really the best I can come up with it might be a Bailey Zappi situation where he has some great stats. He has made some incredible throws. Just it's at a smaller school. How much do you trust that? It can work. And Bailey Zappi did work for a couple of games there for the Patriots. Uh, we'll see what Clayton Toon can do. I am looking forward to seeing him play somewhere. Hi, friends. Hello there. Welcome, Tug. Just Sorry in time to start talking about uh, a couple of these great great offensive players uh and then an offensive lineman <laughs> take that how you will <laughs> uh rasheed rice is 
potentially like a day two, like back in the day two guy. Um, he's also probably my favorite wide receiver in this class. Like personally, I love Rasheed Rice. He is awesome. He's like a great combination of size, speed, athleticism, catching, route running. He does a little bit of everything. He also did it at SMU. So we don't know for sure, but I'm reasonably confident Rasheed Rice is going to be awesome, and I can't wait to watch him play on Sundays. I mean, one thing that sticks out to me with Rasheed Rice is, as far as I understand, like Tanner Mordecai is, is a decent quarterback, but Rasheed Rice was that offense. Uh, it flowed through him. If a team shut him down, they shut SMU down. And that's saying something, even at SMU, that's something that carries a lot of weight. Speaking what? of a lot of weight. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. SMU's <laughs> passing attack has been great for several years. So the fact that it took them this long to kind of get a guy that kind of jumps off the page more than anybody else is kind of amazing to me. Do you want to go back to that? That was such a great transition. Speaking of I a lot you, of weight. I had you. <laughs> we have the first offensive lineman of the entire deck here with City Sal. What a name. Out of Eastern Michigan. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a big fella. He can't move that well. So his pulling ability at guard is a question, which means he's probably a developmental guard at best. Which means he's going to be. It's going to be tight for him to get drafted, honestly. But I do see some potential there. He is a pretty strong guy. I was going to say, showed off the combine. What are the chances that he gets pulled as a tackle and not? He's got the right size for it. Maybe the footwork's not there. But if you're picking a developmental prospect anyway, why not start training him in a new position and seeing? Hey, maybe it works. Yeah, because of the athleticism concerns, he would only make sense as a right tackle if you're going to do that. Yep. That's theoretically possible. Um, I don't see why not. He's 6'5", hey. almost three, 320-something, right? So. Yeah, 6'5", 323. Yeah. Uh, he's got good length in the arms as well at 33 and – What's that? Five eighths. So he's got good length. He's got that separation that you're looking for. You have a bachelor uh, of science degree. You can figure it out. He's he's got massive hands. Ten and three eighths of an inch, man. Those are. I know your bachelor know. of science degrees in history, but you can figure it out. Hey, all I'm saying is <laughs> he's got hands big enough that he can get away with a hold and nobody will notice. <clears throat> that is very true. Uh, also. <laughs> On this slide, we do have Tajay Spears. Yes, they've kind of the best for last, probably. Tajay yep. Spears is also one of my favorite players in this entire class. Uh, legitimately, I mean, we've talked about this several times at this point. I, I fall in love with running backs all the time. Uh, Tajay Spears is a legitimately great one, and I could see him going in round three at the earliest, most likely, just because there are some difference makers at certain skill sets above him, but Tajay Spears feels like a complete back, can do a little bit of everything, and Here, would be a fantastic addition to a rotation. His his stats are just the definition of consistency. Even when Tulane won that great in 2019 and 2020, he didn't get a lot of touches, 
but he still averaged six yards of carry and then 7.4 yards of carry. And you're saying, well, he didn't get a ton of touches, 32 and 37. But then in 2021 and 2022, where he had 129 and then 229, he averaged 6.7 to 6.9 yards. I mean, that's just consistency. Nice. Nice. And then you want to talk about, oh, well, they didn't play anybody. How about this? The last game he played in his collegiate career was against USC, where on 17 yep. carries, he had 200, 205 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, but USC didn't care about that game. They just weren't emotionally invested like Tulane was. Yeah, tell that that's, to that's, uh, Caleb Williams. That's the SEC's excuse every year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm looking at this too, and even his combine stats back up what you guys are saying here. The dude is an explosive runner. Five uh, ten, not not huge, good size for a running back. Two hundred one, so he's got that stocky build. Oh, and then he's jumping a nearly 40-inch vertical. Like, he's got the power yep. that you need, that explosiveness you need. He's got the strength, through 18 reps for his size at 225 is absolutely massive. This dude has all the potential to be a difference maker. He's just getting graded as a round three guy because he's coming from too late. This could be a steal in the draft. I definitely agree. I love me some Tajay Spears. Next up here, we have another abomination slide. These conferences don't even match up, but it's fun to look at nonetheless because we have two great players on. Uh, Demario Douglas is really fun. Been watching him for a couple of years now. Uh, interesting scenario coming out of Liberty. Not really any clarity at the quarterback situation this past year. With Malik Willis, he was pretty damn good, I'll tell you that. Uh, and then Dwayne McBride is another running back that I really love. He is slightly bigger than Tajay Spears, though practically the same size, I would say. And they play a little bit different kind of game. Uh, Dwayne McBride feels like he runs with a little bit more power. And... Tajay Spears is a little bit more do-it-all, everything. Uh, I love both of those styles of running back. And, again, Dwayne McBride's probably a day three kind of a running back, but potentially another steal at the position. No, 100%. Um, And you're right, he's measuring in at 5'10", 209. So he's got six additional pounds, I would guess, of muscle. Uh, I don't have any of his off the field workouts to go off of because he didn't have any, but no, he's definitely got the build of that power hungry runner that, that you're going to let hit up the middle for a yard or two, three clouds or three yards in a cloud of dust and type of running back. And that's huge. I do want to go back to Demario Douglas just a second. I do. I want to say this, you know, he's, the, I think the biggest thing holding him back in terms of his draft stock is the sheer quantity of slot receivers in this class. He fits that mold very well, and he would probably be pretty successful at it, except for you got to consider there are probably 14 other slot receivers <laughs> like yeah. who might even be all ahead of him in just something physically. Like, he runs a 4-4-4. 20 years ago, that was, like, the ideal. Uh, now that's linebacker speed so (laughs) so you know i i think he could work out it's just uh 
this is a tough class to come out as a slot receiver, five foot eight receiver. That's this is a bad year for it. Yeah, uh, and then we also have Kyle Patterson. I still don't believe <laughs> that Air Force has tight ends. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, if you're drafting Kyle, because the big blue weenie's fucking him every day. I knew somebody was going to say that. Um, look, if you're drafting Kyle Patterson, you're not drafting a receiving tight end. You're drafting a blocker who is ready to go out there and make that impact block for you. Basically, a an additional lineman, but with the size of not a lineman. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's yeah. I didn't even. I I watch Air Force routinely, and I didn't even know this guy was on the team. So he's not really making mind-blowing plays out there. He's just kind of there. The tough thing is, I have no idea if he has hands or not, because Air Force doesn't fucking pass. Yeah. 6'5", 260 is a good size for a tight end, though. It can be a great size, yes. We'll see what he can do with that, because he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot with that size at Air Force. Um, Unfortunately. I also, I, I was trying to look up and see if I could find it again. I believe that I saw something that said his dad played in the NFL, uh, which very well could be part of the reason he got a combine invite to begin with, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, he doesn't have the stats to back up a draft selection. He has the frame for it with the kind of restrictions you get drafting somebody out of one of the military academies, I'm not sure if it's worth it to draft a guy purely off of you know size and his, potential. His best year was 2020 where he put up 12 receptions for 205 yards. He has less than five, uh, 400 total yards in his college career. I, this one yeah. confuses me. I'll just be honest. I'm amazed Air Force passed it 12 times in his college career. (laughs) Forget the fact that 12 passes went to him. They passed it that many times. That is a new record for Air Force. Gotta feel good. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Uh, I don't don't feel right shitting on a dude like that for that long. Um, (laughs) This next slide here, we do have Tulsa, Charlotte, Boise State. One from each school. Uh, probably uh, my favorite prospect on this slide would be John Ajuku, the left tackle out of Boise State. Uh, not exactly going to be one of those upper echelon selections for the position. But as a developmental piece, he has the size for it. And he can he can move better than it looked like he could at the combine. <laughs> I really do think he has potential there at a tackle spot in the league. Maybe you do move him to right tackle. Uh, Either way, he has the power to move people, and we saw it consistently at Boise State. And I have some faith in him. I Again, I I like the height. I like the size. Everything else, I like the the strength. Everything else to me. seems to need a little bit more but if you're taking a late round developmental guy yeah i'm with you on that the other two guys have a little bit of concern when it comes to the athleticism 
Grant DuBose, again, we have a 6-2 receiver here where this is a good year to be like a 6-2 receiver. We need some guys with some height. The issue with Grant DuBose, he ran a 4-5-7. Uh, now, we have plenty of receivers in the NFL who ran around that time at the Combine and have worked out beautifully. I don't believe Grant DuBose has the hand skills to make up for a 4-5-7, the ball-fighting skills to make up for a 4-5-7. We'll see. He very well could prove me wrong, and I am rooting for him. Right now, I don't see it. It's kind of a similar situation, not exactly the same for Daenerys Prince. Uh, probably has the speed you're looking for. I never saw him run with the kind of power you would expect from a six foot two sixteen running back. Curious what that happens, like what that does to his draft stock, what that what happens in a draft room when they're looking at a guy of that size with that potential in theory who just hasn't shown that yet. Do you want to add that guy and try to see if you can teach it? You simply draft off of the instincts of, well, hasn't he hasn't done this in the past. We don't know if he's capable of it. There's some interesting conversations there. I think he has the ability, like the physical gifts to do so. We just haven't seen him put it all together, I don't think, just yet. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that he's coming in at the number one ranked athletic running back uh, with these stats. But, yeah, I would expect more power out of him is really what this comes down to. Um, sure, he's got the speed. That's great. It's only going to get you so far. Maybe he's a pass catcher. Maybe I – I don't know. I didn't see the that type of use out of him. But the speed is great, but I want to see him run with a little bit of authority out there. There's there's nothing about Tulsa's offense that caught anybody's eye this year. True. I so maybe I'm not, he did one with power. I just didn't see it because it's Tulsa. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm not denying that he's <laughs> talented, but there, I mean, it's Tulsa. There was right. There's really nothing that kind of jumped off the page about him, unfortunately. And with that, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> Uh, now we are, well, nearly fully in the Mountain West. We have Appalachian State in here, too, just for fun. Which has mountains. Are, they are the Mountaineers. That is true. It fits. Mountain West it's the most and fitting. It fits. <laughs> I like this slide a lot better now. Thank you, Bug. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I guess I actually do want to start with Cameron Peoples because he's a very fun running back to watch. He's also at best, a late A3 guy. <laughs> like, I just enjoy watching him play. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what you're getting with that exactly. You're getting the power we were just talking we were missing with. Yeah, that's true. With uh, Daenerys Prince, but Cameron Peoples, that 4-6-1, again, I understand 20 years ago, 4-6-1 at the running back position, you're kind of happy with that. Today's NFL, that that's on the slower end. I want to see at a minimum like a four five, maybe a four five five at worst. Even at six one two seventeen, uh, he is going to hit the hole. He's going to hit it hard, so to speak. Um, but he just doesn't have that breakaway speed that you're looking for. So yeah, you, maybe you, you throw a flyer on him, but he's he's not turning heads out there the way that he should be. He also has run in his name, which is very fun. 
<laughs> then we have a wide receiver out of San Jose State. I do want to talk about Elijah Cooks. Did not get a combine invite, I don't believe. But I remember watching San Jose State play and thinking, oh my gosh, who's this dude? He looks like a pretty decent receiver. Uh, he's also six foot four, which <laughs> helps a lot this year. We have a lot of under six foot guys. It's a good year to be a six four two ten wide receiver. Yes, it is. So we don't really know how fast he is in terms of like a forty speed. I don't believe. I don't know that he ran anywhere. We do. Oh, we we do? do. He ran at his pro day. He's got a four five five. Unofficial. Uh, okay. I use NFL Draft Scout, which I think they're calling those official. When did I start? I don't know how that works. Official. I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't call a pro day an official time. But anyway, uh, either. Either way you take that, four five five unofficial, official, who cares? That's all right for me with for a six foot four, two hundred ten pound receiver. And from what I've seen of him, he has some hands to him as well. Uh not like San Jose State has had exceptional offenses, but I think Elijah Cooks has a role somewhere. Similar conversation. Hold on, this this just got better. His pro day, he is packed on 10 pounds. Hmm. He is 6'4", 219. Uh, his full times, uh, the 40-yard dash was a 4'5", Vertical was 37 and a half inches. Broad jump, 10 foot 3. 20-yard shuttle was a 4'25", 3 cone, 7, uh, 7.1, and then 16 reps on the bench. That is something that definitely piques my interest. Uh, especially going into day three, uh, the later end of day three of this guy's got the traits. He's got the physicality that you're looking for. Now can I coach him to be an NFL wide receiver? Wow. I wonder if he keeps putting on muscle and just like goes for that, like uh Mike Kosicki type role somewhere where he's just a big, maybe line him up on the line. Kind of a receiving threat. That'd be interesting. Half movement side. It'd be fun. Yeah, you could. I think I started to say the word similar. It's the opposite of what it meant. The literal exact opposite of Elijah Cooks in this class, I think, is Jalen Moreno Cropper. Uh, <laughs> Good thing you put him on the same slide. Yes. At opposite sides of the slide. Very thoughtful. <laughs> Uh, five foot eleven, one hundred and seventy pounds. This is not not a big guy. At the same time, he has enough speed to make up for that, and knows how to catch the ball in traffic. And watching him play, and with Jay Kaner throwing him the ball, Jay Kaner put it right on the money several times. Sometimes it wasn't exactly on the money, and Jalen Moreno Cropper still made a play. Like, this was a great tandem to watch. I am very glad that both of these guys got combine invites because I was worried for a minute that neither of them would. Uh, not everybody watches Fresno State for the great football. Well, but, how can you not invite the Senior Bowl MVP to the combine, right? Right. Of course, That's we're talking about Jake Hainer for anybody who doesn't know. Also, the dude looks like a 
very asshole real estate agent. I hope he makes it in the league like, or, or else. Here's here's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I just – I feel like the Senior Bowl, they're trying to build it, and they've been trying to make it a bigger and bigger deal in recent years mm-hmm. especially. And I understand there's only 32 starting jobs and another 32 backup jobs in the NFL. Why, why are we not talking about Jake Hayner anywhere else? Like, obviously, the first round guys, it makes sense. We're gonna spend a lot of time. I don't see anybody talking about kind of what else is left after you know the top four quarterbacks in this class. Introducing because you don't Hayner. you don't really know what you're getting. Like, yeah, sure, he played a great Senior Bowl. He got the MVP there, but do you really know everything that you're getting? Does that real do? Does that tape match what you were seeing with all the other tapes you were seeing? I I don't know. I mean, look at the hit rate on first-round quarterbacks. You don't know what you're getting there either. I'm, I agree. <laughs> it's all a crapshoot. <laughs> but at the same time, why why am I going to go spend a pick on a, on a backup when I can just go sign somebody for the veteran minimum and be okay? Yeah. I mean, we've also seen it where – the 49ers just got rid of second-round pick Jimmy Garoppolo and bench number three overall pick Trey Lance in favor of Mr. Irrelevant. Like, there's weird shit that happens in the quarterback position. Nobody knows how to scout correctly. Maybe Jake Hanner is the best thing of all time. Who gonna, maybe we got another Tom Brady on our hands. I doubt it. I mean, <laughs> but wouldn't it be crazy if the Patriots drafted him and he ruined Tug's life for the next however many years? That would be pretty crazy. That'd be funny. On the way, I out, would enjoy the last couple of years of Aaron Rodgers in your division, and then I would enjoy watching the Patriots draft an insurance con man and Jay Kaner. They already have Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. I don't think they need more pure whiteness in the quarterback room. I mean, apparently, apparently they're, they're trying Jones. to get rid of Mac Jones. Yeah, so I know, I know, and they're also rumored to be taking a running back in the first round now. The Patriots do whatever the fuck they want. That's it's a weird true. shit show up there. <laughs> Let's get out of this slide. This is getting too weird. <laughs> Next up, we have three more schools with four prospects this time. Old Dominion has two draft prospects in this class. What? Uh, also, it's a left tackle and a tight end out of Old Dominion. Uh, that is legitimate. Nick Saldaberry is actually pretty decent. I don't know what else to say about him. He's like a he's. Pretty raw, like you need to develop him. But I could see this guy really working out. Six six three twenty. Yeah, usually works out pretty good if you can work on some footwork things, hand placement. That usually ends up being all right for you, at least as a, a backup swing tackle. Uh, and then Zach Koontz is exactly the same tight end prospect that Penn State has been recruiting for years and years and years. Why do I say Penn State here? Because it's Old Dominion. He is a transfer from Penn State who went to to Old Dominion because 
the guy who recruited him at Penn State is now head coach at Old Dominion. So it is that exact mold. We saw it with Mike Kosicki. He is a freak of nature when it comes to his speed at the tight end position. He is also his size. six foot seven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My dude could catch a 10 foot high pass. That is something that Zach Koontz can do. Uh, the problem is he hasn't been doing it consistently over his collegiate career. So he is in a definite tier below the top end of this tight end class. And it's a weird year to be a tight end, too, just as we've been talking about with receivers. This is a freakishly deep tight end class. Zach Koontz is one of those guys that you take a shot on because this dude has all the potential in the world. What can you develop out of him? I don't know yet. But holy smokes, that size and speed combination out of this dude is nuts. He also came in as the number one rated athletic tight end. I completely believe it. Like I mean, I'm looking at it. Well, I'm the one who typed it, so yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I I will say, um, I like Kalen Laborn at uh, yeah, Laborn as a late round prospect here. Again, he's not your speed demon. He's not going to be your guy who goes out and breaks away but if you need a consistent third down back that it's going to get you those third and shorts my man is the definition of a power running back at five foot eight 204 don't worry he's just benching 23 reps out there um that's really good for a running back a little bit on the slower end at a four five two but again i'm okay with that to get that power uh especially in today's NFL where you do running back by committee and you have running backs that are specialized in typically one thing or the other rather than all things, unless they're a top 10 pick. Um, yeah, I I like Kalen Lay, uh, Layborn here. I do too. He's probably not going to get drafted because of off-field issues throughout his collegiate career. We talked about this when I did a prospect – like kind of prospect highlight on him mid-season. He was a former five-star recruit, went to Florida State, got kicked off the team. I don't know what happened, but he came to Marshall, figured himself out, and was the workhorse back for one season. We only really legitimately got one full season of collegiate tape out of him. In that one season, he was fucking incredible. Did everything well and looked like a five-star running back prospect. I don't know what to make of him exactly. And I would love to be able to sit in on one of his interviews because holy shit, what happened to you coming out of high school at the same time, he has a lot of talent and whoever he ends up with, hopefully he gets a shot first of all, and whoever he ends up with is getting a fantastic talent at the position. I I do think he'll end up on a roster. It might be a UDFA, but he's going to be a high priority UDFA. I would certainly hope so. I do root for guys if they've proven to me they've turned their lives around. I just, you know, take it 
take it a little bit harsh when uh, they haven't turned their lives around just yet. So, Jalen <laughs> Carter, you're not going in my top five anymore. Sorry, dude. I don't know what's going on with you. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I would totally draft Kalen Laybourne. I think he's incredible. And then the other guy on this slide, we do have Michael Jefferson out of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Yet again, a 6'4 receiver. At this point, it's starting to sound like we're making it up, that this is special this year. But that's kind of one of the ways you stand out as a small school prospect. You just be something different. Uh, there aren't any really you know, power five prospects at wide receiver that are this size. Quentin Johnson's the closest thing, and he doesn't play like it. Michael Jefferson at least plays like he's 6'4", which is something that he would be wanting if you're drafting a 6'4 receiver who runs in the mid-4.5s. And, you know, you, you, you want somebody who plays as if they have that reach, they have that ability to find the ball that you would expect out of somebody who's 6'4". Michael Jefferson has proven he's able to do that. Though he's never really put together a statistically dominant season. So, again, probably back in a day three kind of a player. He has some tools that are very interesting, though. No, that, I mean, I don't know much. I don't have much to add is what I should say. Um, Definitely an interesting prospect to keep an eye on, especially with that size. Next up, a couple of wide receivers and a pure center. Jake Andrews out of Troy. Played center. I'm pretty sure he's played center like his whole life. I don't know if he's done anything else. He's the perfect size for a center. 6'3", 300. I wouldn't want to move him anywhere else necessarily. Also doesn't really have the agility to move anywhere else. I don't know that I would want to risk putting him in a pulling guard position. Uh, Jake Andrews is a developmental backup center, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you do need those guys on your roster. Jake Andrews will find a place somewhere. I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just not impressed. When you're the number eight ranked interior offensive lineman, I, I start to get some concerns with that. Uh, actually, that might be even among the centers, which is even is. more concerning. It is. <laughs> which is why he has no flexibility to move out of nope. being a pure center. <laughs> uh, once again, we have a couple of above six-foot receivers on this slide. And hey. again, it sounds like we're making it up that this is rare now because we've had like five of them. But I think these are five of the six or seven in this entire class. Like, it's it's really not that many. Um, Jalen Wayne, Jason Brownlee, both six foot two. Uh, really very similar prospects. And again, probably mid to late day three kind of receivers. Just because you have some more athletic guys ahead of them. Some, yeah. you know, better hand skills ahead of them or route running ahead of them but they do have size they have decent enough speed and if you can get them to you know figure out a smooth route tree 
there's there's always a role for six foot two, two hundred something pound receivers. I enjoy that these guys are back to back in terms of athletic grades. Um and basically even in that potential rating, they're also sitting there pretty much right next to each other. Like you said, they're they're good size. I have some questions on the athleticism. Um gosh, you get into the number twenty four and twenty nine wide receivers that's how many wide receivers there are that's why like when we're saying it's rare that there's a, over a six foot wide receiver it's because there's so many wide receivers and they're all short this year which is okay it's all for me but you know yeah yeah they're still all way bigger than you the only guys who are even close to your height are running backs and there's only one of them you're actually taller than so and he's like the shortest guy in nfl history my my <laughs> new favorite running back Tariq cohen no, it didn't. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Let's jump to the FCS level for a minute here. Uh, because there we have uh, three guys from North Dakota State this season come out into the draft. Feels like this is pretty standard anymore. North Dakota State produces a lot of NFL talent these days. Uh, guys who maybe get overlooked or maybe you just want to stay closer to home since there are no FBS programs in that immediate area. So FCS, we have a offensive line prospect who's probably going day two and Cody Moak. Unless he, the Patriots are drafting him in day one, which is a possibility. He played left tackle. He has also played guard at North Dakota State. And at the Senior Bowl, he also took a few reps at center. He is most likely going to be a guard at the next level. Correct. But, in theory, what do you think about the size there? Because I think it is possible he does stick a tackle. If he gets into a good offseason like NFL training program, I could see him packing on 5, 10 pounds, which would put him right in that range for – tackle uh what would concern me there and even that he still has good reach but 32 5 eighths a little short on the arms but that's not super concerning um i will say i love his strength i was not as impressed with a lot of his combine stats that i would would have liked to be i think that is what keeps him out of day one but he's got the potential and the, the dude is a legit prospect. He will be a starter in the NFL. It's just you got to get him there first. And like we were saying, he's probably moving inside the guard. I really don't yeah. know if there's going to be an interior offensive lineman taken in the first round this year. Like the best offensive linemen are tackles. and There are like four or five of them that might end up in the first round. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, also out of North Dakota State, we do have the tight end, Noah Gindorf. Honestly, not a great receiver. If you need a, a blocking tight end, some potential there. Uh, but doesn't have the athleticism you would look for out of a route runner at the position. But we also have the best fullback in the class. There are, is more than one being considered, but he is definitely by far and away the best type of fullback in the class. In I was I was looking at his stats going running back. Six, one, two, three. Oh, he's a fullback. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is going to be a niche pick by a team that needs a fullback, and there's not many of those left. 
you're probably looking at a late day three, even though he's got the talent to go ahead of that. Fullback is a very niche selection. So you're looking late day three, if not UDFA. I do expect him to get a shot. That would be the case of a normal fullback. The problem is, for that theory, the way North Coast State used him was a 1960s fullback type role. He ran for damn near a thousand yards. Like, legitimately, he was used and used often in this offense. He's shown some things that you just don't normally find out of a fullback prospect. And yes, he had some lead blocking roles as well. Like, legitimately, might be the most we know about a fullback prospect in the last <laughs> 25 years. Well, we were near the good. top 10 of that when we knew he was a fullback. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, the other guys on this slide, very much likely not going to be drafted, let's be real. Uh, but, first of all, Tim Demerat is one of the best quarterbacks at the FCS level for the past four seasons. He is incredible, and he's the reason Fordham was any good. He was also throwing it to a guy with a very fun name. Tug, do you want to try to pronounce it? I really want to hear this. I will start. Uh, oh, oh, hold on. Uh, it's Fotis, Greek. No shit. Fotis Coco C. Lolu. That I lost it. I had it and I lost it. It's gone. It's gone. It's never coming back. Um, Fotis Coco Solois. That's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty fantastic. Good job, bud. Uh, you gotta work on some things, Doug. Figure your shit out. <laughs> We've already known this. No, I, I, I just I love his I'll name. He's not gonna get drafted. No, he's <laughs> he's the size of a slot receiver with the speed of a tight end. I have a lot of concerns. <laughs> but also at Fordham, he was pretty good. <laughs> For I'm just saying, like. <laughs> and then uh, we do have Shaquan. Davis on this slide as well from South Carolina State, who I didn't know anything about until today when I found out that he's a six foot five, two hundred and seventeen pound wide receiver. That's who rare. has been intriguing NFL teams at some regional combines and stuff. He's really been trying to find a place where he might be able to fit in. Also, at the HBCU Combine, which this is the second year the NFL's been doing an HBCU Combine, differently from the regular NFL Combine, uh, just for HBCU prospects. They host it in Atlanta, and he was, like, far and away the best receiver at that Combine and didn't get an NFL Combine invite, like, the, to the one in Indianapolis. So some teams were actually surprised he didn't get the invite, I heard. At least some scouts, not teams in general. But uh, Shaquan Davis seems like a legitimate under-the-radar wide receiver prospect who very well could be drafted day three. If not, purely because of his size. I mean, it's we keep talking about it, but it is still true. A 6'5 receiver. 220-pound receiver in this class is a little bit hard to find. Wow. 
I looked him up on on Draft Scout, my new favorite website, because it has all their pro days and stuff, and he doesn't have any data there for his, for his or even the regional combine. So I I have nothing more to add. I was hoping I could see some of his stats. I know I've been I've been looking him up all day today. Uh, that's right, on the clock. Forget my job. <laughs> We have one other HBCU prospect to talk about here on offense, and then a couple of other FCS guys mixed in as well. Mark Evans, the second of Arkansas Pine Bluff, is a fascinating offensive line prospect. I don't know what his role really is. He is not the size of a tackle, but he was by far and away the best offensive lineman that they had at Arkansas Pine Bluff, and so put him at their left tackle position, let him figure it out. Uh, probably a guard, probably a developmental guard, even. That's that's but what I'm seeing with this. There is a lot of potential here, and it does seem yep. like he has a little bit more agility and explosiveness to his game than some of the other offensive linemen we've already talked about. So... I might even take Mark Evans the second over a guy like City Sal, who is stronger, but doesn't have that you know, agility, the pulling ability it's that all Mark about Evans seems to have. Yes. Uh, we have another guard out of Chattanooga this year, McClendon Curtis. Uh, not going to be a first-rounder, though, unless the Patriots do what they do. He could very well be a tackle. Yes. So the exact opposite of most situations where we have a guard here who is absolutely the size of a tackle and has the power of a tackle too. Like I'm legitimately surprised he didn't play tackle. He's makes he's me not, curious yeah, what kind of tackle prospects are going to be coming out of UT Chattanooga the next couple of years. I was going to say, he's got the athleticism <laughs> to maybe even be a left tackle too. Jesus. Like it's, it's possible. Dude ran a five two four at three hundred twenty four pounds. <laughs> Freight train, like yeah. So McClendon big boy Curtis, gets going and takes him a while to get going, but fascinating. We will, we will see what McClendon Curtis can do. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like it is go mox. Is, you could say go mox. I could. I won't. Fuck Chattanooga. <laughs> I don't care. It's fine. All right. Then we'll you again. Let's talk about Lindsey Scott Jr., who was unable to post any workouts at his pro day. He's still recovering from a knee injury. Are you still fascinated? I love Lindsey Scott Jr. Lindsey Scott Jr. is one of my favorite stories in this entire year. Just finding out about his whole collegiate journey, uh, setting records for two different, actually three different, college programs uh, when he couldn't make it at LSU went to a JUCO and then two different FCS schools lit things up he is also potentially a Pittsburgh Mauler for the USFL uh, got drafted in the first round by the Pittsburgh Mauler good for him so we will see what happens there if he doesn't get drafted or picked up like a priority UDFA I could very well see him just sticking with the USFL and trying to prove himself because he has also shown the willingness to play the long game with some of this stuff. 
going to JUCO, yep. going the route of a couple of different FCS schools before finding one that really showcased his passing talents, which is Incarnate Word, who loves to air the ball deep, and Lizzie Scott Jr. is really fucking good at that. So <laughs> it was awesome to see him just like explode onto the scene this season with a legitimate team and kept Incarnate Word great even through a new head coach. Uh, they kept the similar style of offense to the one Cameron Ward ran when he was there. Uh, I still have a lot of high hopes for him at Washington State. And Lizzie Scott Jr. is coming out now out of Incarnate Word. Very, very exciting. The other guy here is Xavier Gibson out of Stephen F. Austin. Did not get a combine invite, but I love Xavier Gibson. I love watching him play Stephen F. Austin. I, I want to test a theory here. Okay. I'm going to guess, based on what I see on his stats, the dude is a great route runner. I certainly believe that. I have no way to test that. Like, he didn't get to prove it at combines and just, you know, he didn't even so, get like a senior bowl invite and like what I saw of him play, I would agree. So let me, let me justify what I'm saying here. I'm looking across it, across the board of what he did in his pro day. A lot of it isn't going to turn heads. Four, four, two's not shocking. 34 and a half inches on the vertical. Yeah. Okay. Nine foot on the, uh, nine foot 10 on the broad jump. Yeah, Sure. Well, then I look at his three cone and his shuttle, the two agility drills they have. Both of those are damn near top 10 at, yeah. if, if you were to do those at the combine, which means he's getting in and out of those breaks really quickly, which makes for crisp routes. So that's what I was thinking. I'm glad that matched up. Uh, I really took a risk there saying that, but yeah, dude, that stuff sticks out to me. Like, I don't look at just what they're doing with these times. I'm trying to see how it applies to their game. And, and it is much more important when you consider he has that agility, that explosiveness out of cuts. When you look at his height, he's five, nine and a half. He's yep. going to be stuck in a slot type role purely out of the size of the player. You know, yep. Five, nine and a half, one ninety. That is, that's actually pretty good size for the slot. That's like yep. about what you look for in a slot receiver. Makes sense. So get a guy who can run routes very efficiently, very smoothly and cleanly. Makes and a guy who's good with his hands. I was actually kind of surprised he didn't get a combine invite just because of how much I love to watch him play. And I'm not like the best at scouting receivers, but damn, I, I know a good one when I see one. Yeah. I thought Xavier Gibson was pretty good. Next up, man, these slides are getting worse and worse, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> one prospect from each of these schools again uh, we have two FCS schools and then three Division II programs on this slide let's start off with the national champion Tucker Craft probably he's got to be my favorite tight end in this class I was going to say he's got to be one of our tier two Tight ends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not really consideration for the first round. There are guys who do what he does a little bit better, just like overall. He is a well-rounded tight end who is very good at most things. And he Mike can... Mike Meyer type. 
Or a Michael Mayer type. Yeah, but just like didn't do it at Notre Dame. He did it at South Dakota yeah. State. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you take that guy in the in the day two. But Tucker Craft is I I really do like t- Tucker Craft quite a bit. I I feel weird calling him my favorite tight end prospect this entire class. Because there are some really good ones. Darnell yeah, that might be true. Yeah, I don't like Darnell Washington as much yeah, as fair enough. Sounds like I should because he's six foot eight and can catch. Creepy. Uh, <laughs> we also have an Ivy League guy here who looks like an Ivy League guy in this photo. I love so, it. So here's the thing going off of what I just said, very much the same build we were just talking about with Xavier Gibson. The only difference is now he adds in that outside size 6'3, 205, a little skinny for the outside. But he's got the height to play for it. And with a 39-inch vertical, even if you're a little short at 6'3", you're playing like you're 7 foot. So I'm okay with that. But a faster 3-cone at a 6.85, shuttle at a 4.12. Also Again, a faster 40. He ran a whole yeah. a whole tenth of a second faster. Yep. I mean, yeah, I think he's a very different receiver than Gibson. Not because he's unable to run routes. I mean, in a, no, in a good I'm, way I'm, for, I'm, you, I'm, for Yeah, I'm saying you get a crisp route runner that you could put inside or outside, and that's right. that makes him very intriguing. That's a and put him in a weight room and not at an Ivy yep. League school. You might actually have an outside receiver here. Uh, he did get a combine invite and looked very good at the combine. Watching him right alongside some of the best wide receivers in this class, I think he was. Well, it goes alphabetically. He was, wasn't was in the group with Smith and Jigba. Who was he with? I think he was with Jordan Addison. He would have been. Uh, and, like, side by side. I thought they really didn't look that different on a couple of the on-field drills. Like, legitimately seems like a solid receiver prospect. Again, Later we're looking at day three mostly here. Yep. But, man, is he interesting. Uh our D2 guys on this list, I guess let's start with the quarterback here. Tyson Bajant out of Shepard, which is a, both a player and a school I did not know existed until I saw he got invited to the NFL Combine. Uh, and I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> it turns out he's the best quarterback in Division Two, two years in a row. And... All right, interesting. Not that much of an athlete. Feels nope. like a pure pocket passing quarterback. Yep. Who just decided that he wanted to stay home in, in southern West Virginia. Uh, can't blame him too much. But, wow, is he better than Division Two football. <laughs> so, this is, yet again, more proof on the board. If you are good, the NFL will find you. Even if you play for Shepherd University. <laughs> what a shitty logo. I know. I know. It's pretty bad. It's division two quality, isn't it? But <laughs> Yeah, but he so kind of is he kind of is prototypical pocket passer size too, which does help. And he doesn't have arm strength that you would look for in an NFL quarterback. But he has some short accuracy and he has the size and Maybe there's something you could develop. I just 
That also looks like his high school photo. It's not. I promise it's not. <laughs> that scares me more. I know. He looks just like that, too. If you saw him at the NFL Combine, that is a very accurate representation of what the man looks like today. What about our yeah. two... Uh... <laughs> What about our two D2 uh, lineman prospects? What you got? Yeah, so we have an offensive tackle out of Grand Valley State, Quentin Barrow, who is originally from Canada and came to Grand Valley State to play real football, which I much appreciate. Something (laughs) tells me it's 6'5 and a half at 317. He wasn't everyone's favorite player playing the other uh, kind of football. I don't know what you mean by that exactly. I don't think he's a great soccer player, and I don't think a lot of people wanted him on their team or playing against him. I'm talking about Canadian football. Anyway. Oh, I thought you said uh, he was originally from Kenya. My bad. Canada. Okay. What? That is wild. What? He's, he's originally from Quebec. I've seen it. I've seen it, okay? It's... We're moving on. Uh, Quentin Barrow definitely has the size of an NFL offensive lineman. He didn't have the facilities of an NFL offensive lineman, so I don't know if he has the the strength or the ability to demonstrate the strength that he would need to. <laughs> 19 reps uh, on the bench. That is I mean, you know... People can do some marvelous things with a basement gym, but at the same time, it sure is handy to have real equipment sometimes. So (laughs) we'll see what Quentin Barrow can turn into, but I am kind of excited for him simply because of the size and simply because, yeah, you you watch, you can watch Division Two, and there will be a guy who stands out as clearly the best. That guy may get invited to the NFL Combine. Uh, which Quentin Barrow did not actually, but Brent Lang did out of University of Minnesota Duluth, which not a bad logo. Kind of like that logo in Minnesota. It's weird seeing that logo in association with football, though. Correct. I don't hate it, and I it kind of fits for the school. Um, also, this is his official team photo. Of him just chilling in a hoodie, I it <laughs> looks got like rid the, of the background. It looks it like just, the team photographer just went around and took a candid photo. <laughs> it was literally him on a stool in front of this like cement block wall that was red and yellow and team colors. I got rid of the background because that was ugly, and uh, <laughs> just him in a zip up hoodie. What? What a world Division Two is, uh, but Brent Lang is kind of a big guard, not big enough to play tackle though. And again, one of those guys that really stands out. If you if you watch a Minnesota Duluth football game, like holy shit, there's one guy who's clearly really good. Uh, even on the interior offensive line, you can tell at a certain level of football that a dude just sticks out. Nobody's getting by him. I don't think he, I think legitimately I saw a stat. I think he let up two sacks his entire career and he started all four years, I think. So that's 
pretty good. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Uh, twice in like a thousand offensive snaps. I can't really blame him for. <laughs> Sorry, I had to look up this photo after you're talking about it. And my God, you're it's it's worse than you described. You're welcome. I was trying to save you from the brutality. Nope. This does take us to the defense, though. Which, actually, I forgot I did this. We have another team who has their own slide. Uh, very exciting. Also, it it just happened to work this way, that there are two corners for Coastal Carolina that I wanted to talk about, and the other schools that run a 3-3-5 had too many corners in this class. So I kind of had to do this, even though we really just have two corners and a defensive tackle. Um, I prefer to Jordan Strong to Lance Boykin. But I think the... But Lance Boykin got the combine invite. I think the size gave Lance Boykin the edge there. Jordan Strong is a bit small for the position, uh, which limits what you can do with him. But I also think he is better on a purely ball skill basis. What is it with this year and true nose tackles becoming a thing again? Uh, it happens every so often. Seems like we go through a rotation. But yeah, Jared Clark is a very much so a nose tackle at. Almost 340 pounds. <laughs> 6'4", 334. God damn. And ran a, ran a full 5'2", 5 5 with that. So that's not Scary. too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to line up across wrong and put it that way. No. Uh, some more three three five action here. Arquan Bush is a corner out of Cincinnati this year. I don't have a lot of hopes for high in this class. Uh, There are a lot of corners this year. Same as we just said, there are a lot of receivers this year. There are a lot of corners this year. Arquan Bush is getting pushed on the board a bit. Also, it doesn't help that he is probably a little bit unfairly getting compared to the other Cincinnati corners we've seen recently. He is not as good as their two corners last year, and it showed. So that hurts him. Also, we do have to consider Sauce Gardner was, you know, a top five pick in the entire draft. So, again, a little bit unfairly sometimes, but it does happen. The best defensive player Cincinnati had this year was Ivan Pace Jr. at linebacker. I really like pure middle linebackers. Ivan Pace seems like a pretty dang good one to me. But not necessarily the the profile you would expect of like a prototypical middle linebacker there. You might want somebody a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, maybe even a little bit faster than Ivan Pace, unfortunately. So you're going to find him on day three as well, even though he has solid technical skills as a middle linebacker. Um, He's still in Ramirez. Sorry, go ahead. He still ate up tackles. I think another thing that's going to hurt him, though, too, is he did not play in 2022 at all. He has no stats recorded for that season. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this works out for him. I'm unsure what happened there. No individual workouts at the combine either. Yep. Injury, but 
I don't think it was something that everyone was taking him off the board for. So nope. Jose Ramirez. Right. Jose Ramirez, outside linebacker slash edge rusher for Eastern Michigan. Uh, I hate that his name is Jose Ramirez because I think of the third baseman for the Guardians. I'm sure there are several other Jose Ramirez's in sports that other people are thinking of as well. Uh, But he is a legitimately fun player to watch. And out of the MAC, you only get a couple of those a season. So people had their eyes on Jose Ramirez this year. Uh, Racked up a couple of good stats there, and not necessarily in a position where he was expected to purely rush rush the passer every single down. So if you look at his sack numbers and think, maybe that's a little bit lower than I'm looking for out of an edge rusher, uh, well, first of all, it's the Mac. And second of all, it's not exactly his role. So a couple different things working against him there if you're looking the stat watching. Jose Ramirez is a has the size for it, has the probably has the speed for it, but maybe you probably want that speed on the defensive line instead of as an outside linebacker role. Probably yep. more of a four three defensive end than anything. But Eastern Michigan ran three three five. So they put him in this kind of hybrid sometimes behind the line role. Well, that's fair. And then I also have on the slide Jackson Player. Um, my bad. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about this one. He used to go to Tulsa. He did went to Baylor. Yeah. Yep. So he's also not like, looking at what I could find of his stats. I'm not super impressed, even with being slightly undersized for a true nose tackle. Maybe you slot him in at a 4-3 defensive tackle. Uh, Yeah. What I really think happened here, he was so good at Tulsa. I love watching him play at Tulsa. I really don't think Baylor was the right fit for him. And he kind of got into a rotational defensive tackle role at Baylor that he couldn't show off his abilities. I think it would have been better for his draft stock if he stayed at Tulsa. So maybe that's why I subconsciously kept him at Tulsa. Here. <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely definitely played for the Baylor Bears last season. Uh, probably going to be UDFA as well, simply because he didn't have the production. He didn't have the didn't showcase his abilities at Baylor. Didn't didn't seem like a right fit. Uh, so maybe maybe that's a thing to count against him too. Maybe he's a little bit scheme dependent which is something you have to watch out for as possible. You expect that with these later round guys, though, that you're going to have to That's draft true. them to fit your scheme. That's true. Ooh, oh, my here. God. This is an atrocity. Yes, you're welcome. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, three of these five guys got invited to the NFL Combine. The other two did not, and I just like them a lot. So <laughs> we have two safeties out of Boise State. Um, in a three-three-five, that's not too unusual to get two defensive backs, and they happen to kind of be classified in the same position. Uh, J.L. Skinner is by far and away my favorite of the two, yep. and potentially even a day-two pick at safety 
Like, J.L. Skinner is a thumper with some ball skills. Wild combo. Did do it at Mountain West, right? It's not like we're seeing exact one-to-one translation going against NFL receivers every down. You're right, but when you're making Air Force fumble, like Air Force usually prides itself on its ability to hold on to the football, and I think yes. he forced two or three fumbles that game and then got an interception on top just because why not? Um, on the one pass the Air Force threw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were afraid to pass it after that. That's how it goes. <laughs> but Tyreek Jones has a couple of traits that you'd look for as well. A little bit smaller than J.L. Skinner, but J.L. Skinner is huge for the position. 6-4-2-10. J.L. Skinner's more of your hybrid, strong safety, lobo back type type guy, but and he plays it well, like you're saying, he can thump. Tyreek yeah. Jones is really more of your true center field free safety. Yep, very fair. <clears throat> also out of the Mountain West, we have Bentley Sanders on this slide, cornerback for Nevada, who... Wanted to play in Jay Norvell's system. And Jay Norvell left Nevada to go coach Colorado State. <laughs> so feel a little bit bad for Bentley Sanders. Uh maybe this one year of like just a just a down year didn't get, really fit the new system at Nevada. That probably kept him out of the NFL combine because damn did he have a fantastic 2021. And showcase some real ball hawking skills. Uh, I know he is short for a corner. Five foot eight is concerning. But throw him in the nickel, man. Give him a shot. Throw him in the nickel, and then he's got the speed you're kind of starting to look for in a returner to give to give yeah. a guy a shot. Uh, fantastic setup for a gunner on punt coverage. Um, not saying he's only going to be a special teamer, but you got to expect when if, if he gets drafted or even if he gets signed, that's where they're expecting to put him right away. And he looks like he can play that. Again, he needs to over he needs to outplay his size, but the NFL is not going to know that until they see it because his pro day went very well. At linebacker here, I do have Dallas Gant out of Toledo. Former Ohio State Buckeye transferred to the Toledo Rockets because he couldn't really crack full-time starting rotation with Ohio State. And if you know anything about Ohio State's defense past few years, that might be a bit concerning because Ohio State's linebackers have not always been that great consistently. Uh, so if you're, you if you are consistently NFL talent, then why can't you start all the time? That is a concern. But also look at what he did at Toledo, and damn, did it look like he was playing at a different level than everybody else at Toledo. Uh there is some potential here. Also, it took until he transferred to Toledo for his senior season to do it. So no NFL combine for Dallas Gant either. But damn, I'm rooting for the guy. We'll see what happens with his. I'm probably not going to get drafted. But, man, I, I like middle linebackers. We know this about me. <laughs> Even if they couldn't play for the Buckeyes. You know, he, he tried his best. At, least he, didn't at, look, at, at least he didn't walk off mid-game. True. Very true. Uh, actually, looking at it, Titus Leo here didn't get a combine invite either. I thought that he did. 
but edge rusher for Wagner. Somewhat listed as defensive line. Some have him listed as edge rusher. Actually, what I saw of him play, he was at kind of an outside linebacker edge rusher role in a 3-3-5. He moves around. Uh, lucky for him, he has the size to move around. At 6'3", 245, you can do a lot of things at the FCS level at 6'3", 245. <laughs> and, you know, it. I don't know exactly what his role is going to be. I don't know what his best fit is. But I have some faith that Titus Leo can find a role somewhere <laughs> with that kind of versatility, that experience around a just a front seven in general. <laughs> Solid pro day at that, too. Like, like you said, he's versatile. He's got experience dropping back into coverage as a linebacker, which is what you're looking for in a lot of these schemes now. If you're not going to use him to rush every down. Next up, Jackson State and the Montana Grizzlies, baby. Representing today. Uh, Jackson State has a couple of defensive players to look out for. Aubrey Miller Jr., potentially the best HBCU prospect this season. If not, he's number two because he is a solid linebacker all around. Not necessarily your middle linebacker getting tackles every play. Does a little bit of both of staying back in coverage, thumping the middle in zone, and rushing the quarterback occasionally as well. He does a little bit of everything. It's fun to watch, and he's really good at it. Any cornerback being coached by prime time is worth a look, in my opinion. Well, and consider that Isaiah Bolden just kind of dominated the pro day yeah. and made some teams turn their heads. Didn't he run a sub 4-4? Like, I don't have that up for some reason. I thought I had gone through that and got these two as well. Give me a second. Let me look it up for you. Like, I... I remember seeing Isaiah Bolden was eye-popping at 6'3", ran very fast, and looks like a potential late-round steal if you know what you're doing with a guy like that. Yeah, the he on DraftScout.com, they don't – it says his pro day was on the 27th of March, but he doesn't have any stats for the workouts. So unless it was just all on-field workouts and that's where he was turning heads, which I could believe, I just well, I think I saw that he ran like a four three nine. So. I've seen four three one in this Yahoo four, three, one. Oh shit! Yeah. So, so I have his his low forty time is a four three two on DraftScout.com, and I, that's just all time, not in the pro day results. Good enough. So, so yeah, we're four three something at six. Yeah, we're talking four three speed. That's, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm willing to take a risk on that personally. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, both the guys out of Montana did not get combine invites, but I really love both of them, and they played a big part for the Grizzlies this season in a very good year for the Grizzlies. Patrick O'Connell is a guy that I've talked about before in our middle linebacker. Like, yes, um, yeah, he's a middle linebacker. I like him. <laughs> yep, uh, Justin Ford is. I thought he's one of the best corners in the big sky at the very least last season, if not up there for the FCS as a whole last season. 
Uh, didn't get a whole lot of recognition for it, though. Six foot 190. We don't have any stats for him on here. But, man, I thought watching Justin Ford play, I was consistently more impressed than not. We'll see what the NFL can do with that if he gets picked up, which I'm, uh, again, I'm certainly rooting for these guys. I hope, I hope something comes of it. I'm right there with you, man. So I guess that'll do it for the three, three, five schools. Let's jump to the four, two, five. Um, again, five defensive backs, but on this slide, we only have one. Trevarius Owens out of the University of Houston. Personally, not the biggest Trevarius Owens fan. No particular reason. Do you, you guys want to change your mind? <laughs> not at all. Uh, There's all right. nothing really that sticks out to me. Uh, like, I don't have anything against the guy personally or anything. It's just like, I don't, I don't see him as like a great safety prospect, I guess, which feels harsh. And I don't want to be mean, but also... It's our job to be harsh. Yeah, but then it's going to sound bad when I turn around and say, Dorian Williams is one of my favorite prospects this entire class. Well, he is, and if you recall, he won our uh, defensive... He was one of our defensive players to watch more on more than yeah. one occasion, I'm pretty sure. For good reason, too. Yeah, I... Yeah, Dorian Williams is awesome. And... The whole Tulane story this season was just incredible. Him and Tajay Spears are just a wicked combo of very exciting players to watch. Tulane was awesome this year. He eats tackles. He can play coverage. I mean, this is yes. this is a guy that's kind of found his way onto an NFL roster for sure. And I've seen I, him go as early as round four. Not much day two hype for him, but he is in definite consideration for right around, you know, rounds three to five. You see Torrey Williams go off the board. I like Sterling Thomas, the fifth, again, as an athletic prospect with this, you got to work with him. You might be drafting him or not drafting him. You might be signing him as a UDFA, as a pure kick returner. But when you're coming out there with four, three speed, you have my attention. And that's not 431, 435. That's 4-3 flat. Yeah. Um at his pro day. That is insane. I think that would have been what third overall this year? Maybe second. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. But I was surprised Starling Thomas the fifth did not get a combine invite. I thought he was one of those guys for sure. We'll see him get into the combine. Uh, Dwayne McBride did, so the NFL knows UAB exists, but Sterling Thomas didn't get to go. Very disappointed. He has good size for the position, too. Six foot 200. I mean, practically. Like, 4'3 speed. Come on. He's one of the rare guys that his 40 time is faster than his shuttle time, which can raise some other concerns. (laughs) Probably means he slipped on the shuttle. Let's be real. you're not wrong, but track speed, my man, track speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, we do have uh, oh. one of my favorite FCS prospects this year, B.J. Thompson. 
who isn't getting a whole lot of love from anybody. I don't think he got a combine invite at all. I don't think he's getting talked about anywhere. BJ Thompson is awesome, though. He's also huge. And I just, I love Let me read you he, his stats. I'm sure. From his pro day. Cool. So you're looking at a 46140. Uh, the explosiveness, which is what you're looking for, especially off the edge, uh, displayed 10 yard split of a 1.57. 30 and a uh, 37 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot five on the broad jump, 706 on the three cone, 446 on the shuttle, and then and 13 bent uh reps on the bench. So maybe you're looking for a little strength, maybe he's not on on that stronger side that you necessarily want just yet, but you fix that with one or two NFL off seasons. Everything else is there, the measurables are there. The rest of the athleticism is there. I I like him as a prospect. What he's what he can bring to the table. Arm length over thirty four and a half inches too. Big hands. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, like just a huge guy. If you don't get his weight up, maybe you do play him at outside linebacker, potentially. Um, in in maybe like a three four situation for him. I don't know what would work best for B J Thompson. I just really want to see him get a shot somewhere because he's legitimately very fun to watch. Tuck's got a, a few technical difficulties going on, uh, but I'll take over for a second here too. Benny Sapp out of uh, UNI, third-team All-American from the defensive back position. <clears throat> I'm a little surprised he didn't get a combine invite, if not because – of the third team all American honors at the FCS level because of who his dad is. It's something to combine and the NFL in general loves to do. Yeah. And uh, his, his father is a former NFL defensive back in his own right. So I'm curious to see if any teams are going to take notice of this and see and look at how his pro day went and maybe make some considerations for him as well. And we don't have a picture for him out of UNI. This is his picture in a Minnesota polo because he transferred to UNI. But, uh, <laughs> and I wonder if that hurt him. Maybe. Maybe, but also he was pretty darn good for Northern Iowa. That's what I'm saying. Like, the fact that you know a defensive player is <laughs> means he had to have been pretty Impressive. good. <laughs> Another linebacker that I just like for no good reason, James Patterson out of Buffalo. Brother to um, Jared Patterson, maybe? Yes. Yes, he is. A uh, bunch of Pattersons all around. All okay. kinds of Pattersons everywhere. No, but it, James Patterson is... Honestly, I legitimately have no good reason to like him as a draftable prospect. He doesn't have the size for it. He doesn't have the athleticism for it. He has a nose for the ball, I guess. He he he's made some good tackle stats, but gonna you're say, not is gonna. He a, is he a sure tackler? He gets some tackles. I'll take that. He gets some. <laughs> I just I wanted to shout him out. You know, good college career, James Patterson. Good job. <laughs> not as good as your brothers, but good job. <laughs> Let's jump to the 4-3. I know there's one guy on this slide that Bug will want to take over for. Before we get there, 
I do want to talk about Thomas Incombe, which, what a fucking name. Uh, weird as shit last name, dude. But, damn, is he the best player Central Michigan has had in a while? Like, Since, probably uh, better than AB. that. Probably better than that offensive tackle went number one overall in 2013. <laughs> but he's going to be a third-round guy. No. Ankum is like a one of those Mac edge rushers where he has basically everything you're looking for and just end up at a Mac school because he needed some time to develop. That happens with edge rushers. That happens with offensive linemen. You find these guys at smaller schools all the time. Yep. Where exactly he fits – Again, is a little bit of a question mark. 6'2", 262. What do you do with that? Is that really a 4-3 defensive end? Central Michigan didn't think so. They put him an outside linebacker. I, I would that's say that's right more here. of a defensive end. Right. So, we'll see what happens with Thomas Incom. I could see him ending up at middle of day three and working out for a team pretty well. Um. Jordan Ferguson on the defensive line didn't get a combine invite. I think for relatively fair reason, he was just the best player Middle Tennessee had this season, and it jumped out to me that he was. So I'm I'm curious. I don't know enough about Jordan Ferguson to make some big sweeping statements that he'll be great in the league or anything, but I'm curious. Uh, has my attention, I guess we could say. And then Miles Brooks out of Louisiana Tech. 6-1-200 for a corner. Not too bad. Uh, didn't get to see him participate in the off-field drills for the combine. But with that size and getting some consideration, you know, even getting a combine invite is a good sign. So hopefully the interviews went well. With that and his size, he will be drafted at corner. Um, <laughs> middle to late day three. But I'll let you loose on Quindell Johnson here. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, going into the season, like he was looking like potentially a day one guy, and I do mean that in a legitimate sense, not a overly hyped fandom sense. He got hurt in the Houston game, and – Never really completely recovered from that, right? I don't know if that's what killed his stock, but it is kind of crazy to me that he didn't even get a combine invite at this point. Uh, you know, he was battling an injury all season, and his production showed. I'm unsure what's really going to happen here. To me, I would love to see him still be a day three, late day three guy, potentially UDFA. But, fortunately, there's plenty of other options for him to seek a professional football career and eventually make it to the NFL. And I think that might end up being the path he has to take just because of how the back end of his senior season went after being uh, all-conference. and I'm, Yeah, after being all-ACC the year prior. AAC, rather. Sorry. I, I definitely see a route for him to be draftable here. Um, his pro day went very well for what, what you would expect. Uh, again, four five five. Maybe it's a little slow for a safety. I'm okay with that. Thirty two and a half. It's about right. 
Yeah, 32 and a half inch vertical, that's pretty good. 10 foot broad jump, that's pretty good. The shuttle of a 424, like those are draftable stats, and he's sitting at a draftable size at 61206. He could slim down, speed up a bit, and man, that's that's a killer. I I could see there being interest in day day three form. Well, and I think the other issue is the other issue too is you know he gets hurt in the Houston game. the The defense completely changes at that point. They end up losing that one, we'll lose the ECU game that he missed, lose the next two games as well. This guy's a leader on the team, and I believe that's a big reason why they're able to get the win over Tulsa which was an ugly game. They were right in that SMU game, and then they won their bowl game as well. But at some point, too, I, I think he's you've got to look towards the future some as well. And he, just, he was not able to go 100%. I don't think he pushed to go to 100%. I can't really fault him for that either. Would be very fun to see Quindell Johnson in a showboat uniform. Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> that would be Ben's next jersey. Yes, it would. <laughs> Moving on to some more 4-3 teams here. Another middle linebacker that I just love for middle linebacker reasons. I think this one's justifiable, though. He has some great athletic traits as well. I, I had him highlighted, too, man. I'm a fan. After Ryan his day, I'm a fan. Out of Fordham. Go ahead, run down some of those stats for us, Doug. All right, so 6-1-2-42, exactly what you're looking for in a middle linebacker in a true middle linebacker. Got some concerns with the speed at a 478. It's a little on the slow side. Um, but here's what sticks out to me. He put up 30 reps on the bench. Yeah. That is a strong <laughs> middle line. That is a middle linebacker that is going to throw blocks off of him uh and, and stand strong against a block. That would have Very been one of the best bench press performances at the combine, regardless also of that. Like he's He's something out there, middle linebacker. He put up also, one more rep than Cody Cody Moak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have Caleb Murphy, pictured here in a, a Grand Valley State jacket, uh, transferred to Ferris State, also in the FCS, and with a way cooler logo. Get rid of that GV. Give me that crazy-looking bulldog. <laughs> Fuck yes. Right. <laughs> Uh, Caleb Murphy is one of those guys that I don't know a whole lot about other than he got invited to the combine. And I said, holy shit, what is going on here? Um, he ran pretty dang well for 6'3", 254. Maybe at 254, you might look at him as a 3-4 outside linebacker as instead of playing on the line. Maybe you expect him to bulk up with your NFL weight training program too and just do stick You're him hoping. in defensive end. Yeah. yeah, I would hope so as well. Uh, also, I don't know why I said FCS before. Ferris State's definitely Division II. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to let it ride. I knew you'd catch it. <clears throat> I just I couldn't let that go without correcting that. It was going to kill me for a long time. Uh, but we do have an FBS prospect on this slide as well, because I didn't really have anywhere else to put Stephen Gilmore. Uh, he is the younger brother of Stephon Gilmore, who is currently in the league and very good at the position of cornerback. Stephen Gilmore is also pretty good at the position of cornerback. 
but not good enough to get an NFL combine invite. That was pretty sad. I love Stephen Gilmore. It's very fun. Then <laughs> I happened to call it one week that he went off. So it helps too. Fact. <laughs> Didn't he also have the game sealer against Notre Dame when they upset the fighting Irish this yes, year? Yes, they did. Yes, he did. <laughs> I love yes, Stephen Gilmore. He had quite the fucking year. <laughs> Just fantastic person. Fuck Notre Dame. <laughs> Next, we have some 3 4. My new favorite logo. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The Baldwin Wallace Yellow Jackets in Berea, Ohio. This is a Division Three school. <sighs> And it's a Division um, Three photo right there. Whew. Yes, it is. This is all right. So Anthony Kendall is the player we're talking about. He is a cornerback for Baldwin Wallace. Um, I had to pull this picture off of LinkedIn. This is his LinkedIn profile picture. Yes. <laughs> the team doesn't even do team photos. It's Division. They like, ran out of budget before we, they could. Okay. <gasps> Um, I also love Baldwin Wallace personally because of the lineage. Jim Trestle's dad coached there for a very long time. Uh, Jim Trestle played quarterback there. And there is a Trestle Way in Berea, Ohio. I also have a very close friend who is from Berea, and I would go up there all the time. And Baldwin Wallace is like a really cool campus. And there's a Trestle Way. That is awesome. I love Baldwin Wallace. <laughs> I like his measurables and his well, I like his stats. His measurables could do some work, but I like his stats. At least for it, the combine workouts. Not that he well, was not mode. not the combine, pro day. Pro day, thank uh, you. Some somebody's pro day. Most guys are showing up to Baldwin Wallace just off rip, but <laughs> he is 5'10, 177. A little bit small, a little bit frail. You be concerned with that that frame, but get him in an NFL weight room. You can turn five ten into something workable, especially if he is if he keeps that around four four speed. Yep, I like it, dude. I I like everything else on this chart. It's just his height and weight. Is he draftable though? Is the Baldwin Wallace guy draftable? Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. He is in the draft. Okay. I hope so. That'd be so fun. <laughs> For so many reasons. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everybody wants to talk about Andre Carter the second. I'll leave that to you guys here in just a minute. But I want to talk about the other edge rusher on this slide. I want Tug to try to pronounce his name. Uh, Ikenna? Yeah. And it Chupu? Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. I'm yeah. impressed. I'm, I'm legitimately impressed. Ikenna and Chupu out of Rice. Uh, not as tall as Andre Carter II, but, you know, as far as edge rushers go, 6'4 ain't too bad. Also, 264 pounds. He is a 3-4 defensive end. I, I love that fit for him. 
I would love that fit for him in the NFL as well. And could see him becoming a rotational piece pretty early on. Like, he he's pretty good at Rice. No, I, I like what it's I imp- see. It's impressive cool. for Rice. Yeah. And then I don't know why I don't have a Ball State logo up there. I was just going to say, we, we have Baldwin Wallace, but Ball State didn't make the cut for logos. I think In I fairness, just got excited about the yellow jersey. fucking boring, so we're not missing much. Yeah, and it's also Ball State. Like, so, all right. I don't know if you guys know this. The guy who invented the, like, started the Mason Jar Company, the Ball Jars, is the same guy who started the university. I always thought that was interesting, and also that is the only good excuse for why you would call it Ball State University, because that's fucking gross. Just Scrotumsville would be better at this point. Let's come on. (laughs) Extra fun worked in there. Figure it out. Nick Jones is a corner for Scrotumsville. Uh, Six foot, 190. Uh, yeah, some some decent stats out there for him. Nick Jones probably isn't at the top of my board, um, even going into day three, but certainly some potential. Look out for Nick Jones. And then I know you guys want to talk about Andre Carter the second. He's an interesting story, and why not? I'll let you go. I'll let you go nuts here. I really don't like. There's not much on this okay. that impresses me. Uh, the 35th <laughs> well, I think that's a story in itself. Andre Carter II had, what, 16 sacks in 2021 for West yeah. Point? Which is potentially... impressive because I only have one. That is correct. And we collectively as a show only have three. We didn't come He's close. killing it. Nick Jones adds one, I guess, being from Scrotumsville. But... <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's here's the thing. Here's really what sticks out for me with Andre Carter. Uh, I don't have a 40-time or anything like that. I could pull up his pro day and probably find it. Not going to. 11 reps on the bench at the edge position is very yeah. concerning. Yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah. It, He's an NFL legacy. He had a great season a year ago, and he's six foot seven. Other than that, there's not much I like about it. Like, can you make really... something out of him? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it very well could be the case that being at West Point was a big part of his limitation. Right. 100%. The, yeah. The way you have to cut weight after this football season, the way you have to work back up, but still be in regulation. I, I don't know. At time. six foot six and a half, weighing <laughs> in even at 256, he might have been okay. Uh, six foot is the limit's 200 and it goes up 10 pounds every inch. So six, six and a half, he was pushing the line actually to be in the regulation, but he was good. Right. But he couldn't go above that. And he probably would be a better football player a little bit above that because he's six, six and a half. That's wild. So it's, uh, some potential. He's an NFL legacy. His dad played in the league and he had a great 2021. So yep. we'll see what we can do with Andre Carter. 
I, I don't know. I don't know. At this point, with the concerns about legislation, whether or not he's even be allowed to play immediately, we think that's been cleared up, but the government could change their minds on the fucking whim. So, who they knows? Probably won't do that. It's probably not worth taking him even day two at this point. No, I don't. In, in Based off that combine performance, he's, he's slipping down the board anyway. Aside from all those other concerns that you're bringing up. And there are plenty of edge rushers in this class who are legitimately fantastic Correct. without the question mark of whether or not they'll be allowed to play in the NFL. Correct. <laughs> that does take us on to uh, San Jose State, Troy, South Alabama here. Um, I don't, I think only like one of these guys got an NFL combine invite in VME Felco. The edge rusher down there in the 3-4. Cade Hall was awesome as well. When I was watching San Jose State's defense, I noticed both of those guys on the defensive line. Kind of surprised only Fioko got the combine, but you know, I, I like Cade Hall. I don't know what you guys saw out of these guys if you were looking at them. I mean, both these guys are a reason why San Jose State kind of shocked everybody and won the Mountain West a couple of years ago. So it's yeah. it makes sense that they would be able to continue it. And unfortunately, you know, San Jose State did fall off a little bit, but the rest of Mountain West might have just caught up as well. Yeah. I All... I have nothing to add for Cade Hall. I will say Carlton Marshall, I'm not impressed by any means. He's Wow, okay. Well, let's talk about it. Carlton right. Marshall is tiny and unathletic. Yes. He also fucking leads a call of college football in tackles every fucking year. Dude brings people down. He is nuts. It is so fun to watch. But he's, he's got to get there to make the play. That's and he the does. Thing. He does all the time. And he's one of the toughest motherfuckers I've ever watched play the sport. I swear. I'm not fucking with you. There is I believe a, you. I believe a, that what you see is accurate. I also believe that that aside, I don't see draftable stats on here. Like your measure, I is, understand. Yeah, and I don't care because Carlton Marshall is that much fun. Like right. legitimately, look at Instagram this year. Troy put up a picture of one of their helmets that had all of the paint peeled off. It was Carlton Marshall's helmet right after a game. It was a almost pure white helmet because Carlton Marshall was hitting so many freaking dudes. Just <laughs> it, was, it was great. I loved it so much. Carl, Carlton Marshall would have been my vote for uh, the walk-on of the year. The Burlesworth Award. Uh, it didn't win it. But, damn it, he almost 160 tackles this season. Like, I know that's kind of the job of a of a middle linebacker, but usually that's reserved for a 4-3 middle linebacker, seeing those kind of numbers. Carlton Marshall was all over the place all the time. And, yeah, he's not going to get drafted, but Carlton Marshall's awesome. <laughs> 135 total tackles. It felt like more. 
Well, 81 <laughs> of them were assisted. <coughs> All right, hater. Fuck you. Like, I'm just saying, looking at his stats, you're right. He gets there. But he gets there for the first guy, slow the other guy down. Somebody's got to finish it, right? Hey. I don't um, like it. That's all I'm saying. I don't I, like it. I'm okay with that. I just love right. linebackers, and Charles Marshall's very fun. He's also makes you look tall, so feel good about it. <laughs> no, he makes me look average. He's still taller than me. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Daryl Luter, Jr., a corner out of South Alabama. Uh, one of the main reasons I like South Alabama is that it fucks with people every single time you see an abbreviation. Because USA, just USA, <laughs> USA, uh, USA. Six foot, hundred ninety pound corner. We've seen these a couple of times now today, but you know, decent enough stats. I'll, I also, I know that I really enjoyed watching him play. Probably my favorite part of watching any South Alabama game this year. Fair enough. I mean, he looks draftable. That's the thing I'm looking for there. Unlike the best linebacker of all time, Carl Marshall. Apparently. <laughs> According to Chug. Uh, so, we're, we're sticking on the 3-4 yet again. Uh, which means not a one-to-one comparison, necessarily to the other potentially best HBCU prospect this year in Aubrey Miller. But Isaiah Land does play a similar position. Not necessarily in coverage that often. Will definitely be used more as an edge rusher in the league uh, than anything else. I would put him purely as an edge rusher, uh, which is what basically everybody has enlisted as. Isaiah Land is freakishly good at... I don't know, most everything you would expect of an edge rusher. Yep. Like, I've, been, I've been pretty quiet all show for a multitude of reasons, but the fact that Isaiah Land sticks out to me, if you follow the show at all, that should really say something to you. <laughs> uh, other guy that I really like on this slide would be Nick Hampton. Definitely a day three defensive lineman. Uh, going, going to make sense of defensive end for you. But he has some legit potential as well. Appalachian State's been putting out a couple of really interesting guys recently. Uh, they've been a very good team overall. And Nick Hampton felt like a big part of why that defense clicked this year. Even though they didn't make it to the Sun Belt title game, very close. There's a couple of really good teams at the top of the Fun Belt anymore, so can't blame them too much. Um, and I really don't have a whole lot of much to say about Andre Jones. I know that's weird considering he's a middle linebacker. And yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Seems like. Uh, but if you have anything to add about Andre Jones, I'll I'll listen. He is big for the position, which makes it it makes it interesting in itself. He's like almost six five. But six four and a half, two forty eight. Also he's a ran big very slow. Yeah, that's uh, definitely going to work against him. <laughs> At least he's got the size of the middle linebacker. I don't know what he has the size for. Almost has Honestly, a, size a defensive end. end. 
I, I was going to say, honestly, a 4-3 defensive end. Yeah. I would want to see him put on, I don't know, 10, 20 pounds of muscle before we even do that. I mean, I don't know what he is the size for. This is a weird build. Um, yeah, I, I don't no. know. I don't know what the fit for Andre Jones is. That's fair. That's for NFL teams to figure out, not the big dudes in the trenches podcast. Luckily. <laughs> that does wrap yes. it up with defense. We have two special teamers, and these guys are people. Special. They are special. They are special, and they are the only two long snappers really even being considered by anybody for this class. Uh, I don't know if either of them will be drafted. If either of them do, I would expect it to be Alex Ward over Robert Soderholm. But either Wait way, Wait both of them be... Was it UCF with that long snapper that turfed six of them in one game? Or was that another team? Are you, Are thinking, you thinking about Weber one? State? Yeah, Weber State. You might be. You might be right. I think I am right. I, uh, I know we're right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that wasn't the long snapper. That was the entire problem. The long snapper got hurt. <laughs> they had some random dude in there, and he just kept chucking it back for safeties. <laughs> so that's why having a good long snapper is important, which makes Alex Ward a human person, unlike other special teamers. That's great. Glad I could help you get there. <laughs> um, and Robert Soderholm is the only VMI prospect this year. Well, uh, Alex Ward's UCF's only prospect, too. I know. Very, I know. very strange. Weird that we have a VMI prospect. Yes. Weird Equally strange. UCF only has one. And so. it's the long snapper. <laughs> And they're long snappers. Long snapper is such a weird position. You never know what school long snappers are going to come out of. Like, just like kickers and punters. You can go to some weird-ass schools that have, weirdly enough, the best kicking coach in the country. Like, I would say the fact that neither of these guys' names is Cameron Cheeseman means I'm not interested. Well, Cameron Cheeseman got drafted pretty high for a long snapper. He should. I mean, with a name like Cheeseman, he absolutely <laughs> should. The Commanders did a good, good thing there. That doesn't happen often. Best. Uh, I'm ninety percent sure he got drafted by the Commanders, but best draft pick they've made in a while. I mean, that sounds right. I'll buy it. But that does it for the draft prospects. I mean, a lot of them. A lot of them did. I was right. I fucking nailed it. God damn it. <laughs> Let's go. <clears throat> and I think this episode might even have been longer than our SEC episode. Uh, it's which... close. We're at two hours even right now. Yeah. It's pretty intense. But worth it. A lot of good dudes to talk about. A lot of guys that we won't see in our mock drafts. Uh, but we will probably see, at least Bug will get to see live on day three in Kansas City this year. Very exciting. I'm jealous you get to go, honestly. Yeah. I wish I could go. But, you know, starting a new job, I can't really we, take I was going to say, we were all and, planning on it, but then life yeah. happened. Yeah. Being an adult sucks. 
Hey, Tug, where right. can they go to support the show so we can not be as adult with adult jobs and make this our adult job? Yes, please. Whew. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the links are scrolling below the video. If you are on audio, I will read them to you and then link them all in the description below. We have our Patreon, patreon.com slash Football, twitter.com slash Football, facebook.com slash Football. Instagram.com slash BDT underscore football, BDTfootball.com, mailbox at BDTfootball.com, YouTube.com slash at Big Dudes in the Trenches, Twitch.tv slash Big Dudes in the Trenches, all one word, no spaces. And our Discord, I'm not reading that. I love you guys, but uh, you can find that in the, in the description below. I just want to say Doug did the links last week, and he definitely read the Discord. So Same. I don't believe you. Listen, listen to the to episode. It. <laughs> it happened. It happened. Why would you do yeah. that to yourself? Because he's, he's, <laughs> he's a man of integrity. He's a man of integrity. Hey, speaking of, did you guys know the first French fries were were not cooked in France? I did know that they were cooked and in Greece. That is technically accurate. Congratulations. <laughs> And also, Tug is French, and I hate France. I'm Canadian. So, that's that worse. Doesn't, French Canadian is worse. Help. To God, you don't even pronounce your own name right. I didn't say I was a Quebecer. I mean, if it's French Canadian, there's only one answer, unfortunately, for all of us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching and or listening, and just remember... You can't win a game. You can't win this game.